If you could grab these little yellow Matthew's Gospels, we'd love you to take them away with you. And the readings we had so well read, pages six and seven, if you could turn there. My name's Rico Tice. I'm one of the members of staff here. And I just come with a triumph from my family. My daughter, Mercy, is seven. She went in for the auditions for the Christmas play, the nativity play at her school. It was glorious because she'd memorized the part of Mary. And she came home and we were told she's been made King Herod. So we're just, <laughs> we're just uh, briefing on that one at the moment. But it causes us to, uh, as we think about Christmas, ask this question, and it's going to come up on the screen, but here's the question. Why am I a happy man this Christmas? What makes me happy? Now, can I tell you, as a youngster at Christmas and as a teenager, that was easy. There was one thing that made me very happy at Christmas. Here we go. It was chocolate. It really was. It was glorious. So off we go. That was it. That was the cause of happiness. I've got a friend in the gallery. I don't know if I can hit him. Oh, no. Missed him there. So... So, you know, I mean, it was that. And of course, what does chocolate do? You know this, don't you? Chocolate contains tryptamine, and that's an amino acid, and that causes serotonin to go into your brain, and that's a transmitter, a neurotransmitter, and that's what makes you happy. But of course, the question then happens, well, how do you sustain a happiness as an adult? What happens there? So how do I, where do I get that happiness from? And can I say that what makes me happy gloriously happy at Christmas. Well, it starts here if we look down. There are two gifts, but here's the first one. Do you see in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 1 there on page 6? This is what the angel, it's supernatural, says to Joseph, she'll give birth, that's Mary, to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. When I was 16 years old, I wasn't from a Christian home at all, and I didn't think about the Christian faith. But I did start keeping this diary. Here it is. So this goes back to 1981, this diary. And um, uh, uh, really, I kept it because I thought I owed it to you, to future generations, to record my life. So uh, <laughs> night after night, I kept this diary for you. And it was amazing because I found out I was a total burke. It was an extraordinary experience. I would write in my diary, wouldn't it be, as only a 15, 16-year-old can, wouldn't it be wonderful if there was world peace? but never lay aside the weapons of malice and sarcasm I used in my own self-defense. I'd write in my diary, wouldn't it be great if the starving were fed, but I'd ask my parents for a larger allowance, as you can see, I would eat it. I had a twin sister, and I, I loved my twin sister. I was very protective of her, but I, I began to see that I, 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 I didn't want my friends to do to my twin sister what I wanted to do to my sister's friends. There was like this hypocrisy going on. And then I found that it wasn't just me. We lived in a world where there was a problem. It wasn't just at a personal or a communal level. It was at a national and international level. So the statistic of the 20th century is that 170 million people died violently. There's something wrong. And then, now again, you'll never get Christmas, ladies and gentlemen, unless you get this, as we think about the gift of forgiveness. And then you've got to understand that with my diary, I came to see that there would be a day when God would ask us all, having given us life, two questions. And the first question would be this, did you know me? Did we have a relationship? And the second is, well, did you have your wrongdoing forgiven? So we've taken all the gifts of God, found family, friends, falling in love, food, fitness. They're wonderful. But how have we treated the giver? Now, until you get to that point, you never get Christmas. Because you're never ready to read, you see verse 21, what 
Jesus gets called at birth. So at birth, they're talking about his death. She'll give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So the moment Jesus gets born, he's going to die for my wrongdoing, for my diary. Because unashamedly, the Bible says, there's a judgment to come. Now, that's a great thing because it means how I treat you, how you treat me, how we treat the world matters to God. So there's this point at which God will say, well, what has happened in my world? And it's, it's incredibly important there's a judgment. As we look round the world in the moment, I mean, who is going to deal with Putin one day and hold him accountable for what he's done as people freeze to death in Ukraine? This says there's a judgment. It's a good thing, but it comes all the way down to us. It's personal. And some people never get to deal with the gap, but we need to. Do you know, this is my favourite uh, uh, autobiography. Lance Armstrong, the cyclist, it's not about the bike. Do you know this autobiography? And we now know... Lance, you're right, it wasn't about the bike, was it? I do love, after the drug scandal broke, the Australian lending library that moved this book from biography to fiction. I thought it was (laughs) marvellous. Until we get to that point, we don't get Christmas. And then Jesus is called Jesus, and the name means saviour. What does that mean? It means that one day he'll go to his death, and as he goes to the cross... 33 years later, he will cry out, tetelestai, which means it's finished. I only know two Greek words. One is kebab, the other is tetelestai. But, but, but Jesus is on the cross. He shouts tetelestai. It means it's done. It's the word that a PhD student would shout as she finishes her PhD and hands it in. It's done. I finished it. Or it's the word that a builder would shout as he puts the last slate on a roof. Tetelestai, it's done. It's a word that an old London couple would shout, age 86, as they go together to the building society on their Zimmer frames and having paid off their London mortgage. Tetelestai, we've paid the mortgage. It's done. And Jesus shouts, I have paid for your wrongdoing as he dies. And that means at Christmas, it's as though I get another gift here. So this is Rico Tice. And it's a collection of everything I've ever done wrong. But I've now trusted in Christ. And I wonder if you can see, this is the glory of Christmas. Every page is blank. Why? Because he has taken my life, paid for it in death and blood, and given me his. Now let me just say, there are two things that come out of that that are staggering this gift of forgiveness. The first is in my identity. I know I'm loved. He knows all about me. And yet he dies so that I can be forgiven. Uh, Many years ago, I was at home on a day off and I was teaching my nephews to scrummage, play rugby. So they were four and two. You've got to start them young. And I was down on the carpet with the four-year-old scrummaging called Dalton. It's a stupid name, but he's a great kid. Just to say, if you are Dalton, welcome. It's lovely to have you here. But there I was with the the four-year-old scrummaging. And as I did it, the two-year-old Patrick got so excited, he picked up a large plant pot, he started to empty it all over the room to make a pitch. And when I next looked up, there was mud everywhere. And at that moment, my, my mother, Patrick's grandmother, came into the room, and the floor was trashed. And she walked across the carpet, picked up the plant pot off this two-year-old, put it on one side, picked him up and kissed him and said... Let's go and have lunch. And as she carried him over the mud out of the room, he looked over her shoulder at Dalton and I on the ground and went like that. (laughs) You see, his grandmother knows what he's done. She's going to clear up the mess and she loves him anyway. 
And that's Christmas. God knows what I've done. He knows all my sin. He sends his son to clear up the mess. And he says, Rico, I love you anyway. Do you know, if you get that into your identity, it is glorious. Victor Hugo said, life's greatest happiness is to be convinced you're loved. If you understand what Christ came to do to die for us, if you really get it, the depths of your own sin, then it is overwhelming to know that you're loved like that. He knows all about me, yet he dies for me so that I can be forgiven and come home. But secondly, it goes from being vertical to being horizontal. You see, Interestingly, the Bible says, bear with each other, forgive whatever grievances you have, forgive as the Lord forgives you. In other words, at Christmas, and I don't know about your family, but my family's not going to survive without this, there are two phrases that come out of the cross. I've received all this forgiveness. What do I then do? I can give away the gift of forgiveness. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others who trespass against us. C.S. Lewis said to be Christian means to be to forgive the unforgivable in others as they forgive the unforgivable in you. So there are two phrases that enable us from the cross to actually survive Christmas with each other. One is, I'm sorry I was wrong. We're going to have to say that this Christmas to survive. And another one is, that's okay, I forgive you, but I can't say it, it's hard, unless I realize what I'm forgiven. But that's the mechanism of reconciliation for Christmas. It's a glorious thing. This gift of forgiveness, oh, to have it in my identity, then to give it away to others. But secondly, it's not just we get the gift of forgiveness. As we look down, do you see verse 23? One more gift as we close. I can't wait to tell you this. Verse 23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now that is prophesied 700 years before. So what do you make of Jesus? Because 700 years before in Isaiah, we're told of this. But do you see the phrase, God with us? What does that mean? Well, here is a funeral card of my best friend from school. And uh, he died in 2021 in the middle of COVID. He was diagnosed with liver cancer. It was stage four before they knew it. Couldn't really get to the hospital. And we lost him. And can I tell you, it was just, it's just an agonizing thing that he's not here. I, 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 treasured, I treasured this guy Dan's friendship. But as he was dying, we read through Mark's gospel together on the phone. He was down in the West Country. And you see, God with us is an eternal phrase. So Jesus is God with us so that we can be with God forever. You see, as it comes to Christmas and as we get older, there are loved ones who are not here. And we miss them desperately. But what is this message? Well, Jesus came and he taught. He had a band of followers He was tried in a Roman and Jewish court. He was sentenced to die. They strung him up on a cross. They put a spear through his side. They took him off the cross. They certified him uh, as dead. They sealed him in a tomb. And three days later, he was walking around again. Now, if he got through death himself, he can get my friend through. What does that mean? It means that Christmas, as I miss loved ones, I'm in a story where there's a day of reunion As my mother was dying in Basingstoke Hospital 10 years ago, and we miss her so much still, I said three things to her. I said, goodbye. I said, I love you. And then I said, I'll see you again. I'll see you again. And for so many here, hearts are broken because they're loved ones that aren't here this Christmas, and there are not many people that love you like that. 
So what does it mean as we, as we think about that? Well, it's a bit like this, you see. It's a bit like the fact that Jesus on Easter Day, well, he is like a needle that goes through a great carpet, the door of death. He goes through, but he pulls us behind. He pulls me behind. He pulls my mum behind. He pulls my friend behind. And so again, as I face Christmas and maybe the loss of loved ones, I have a future. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what do you make of that? Christmas. Why am I a happy man? Because I've got forgiveness. I've got a future. I'm in that story. Oh, I don't know what you make of that. But I guess three things as we think about it. Number one, could this be true? It's supernatural, but has God intervened in his world to do this? Secondly, what's the meaning of Christ's death on the cross? We know he died on the cross, but are you loved like that? Has he died to give you his perfect life, that gift of forgiveness? Thirdly, what could it mean to follow him? And that's why we're saying, if you've got anything this year that just nudges you a bit, come back, don't put it away with the decorations, come back and unwrap it in the new year, maybe see me afterwards. But there's this course, Hope Explored, on the 9th of January, here on a Monday night or online, but you can see allsouls.org forward slash explore. And actually in the service orders, there are details. We'd love to see you again to chat about this because forgiveness and a future, they're glorious gifts. They're what Christmas is all about. Let me pray as we close. Our Father God, in our own households, help us because of the cross to be able to say, I'm sorry this Christmas. And that's okay, I forgive you. Help us to be those that forgive and are honest about wrongdoing and ask forgiveness. We can't do that without the cross. And Lord, help us too to have this hope, this wonderful hope that God with us, Emmanuel means, an eternal hope of seeing loved ones again. Lord, may we know these things for certain, we pray, and leave here happy men and women. Amen.